today is a big day. Today's episode is huge. It is monumental. I am just so stoked about what is happening right now. So today launches season two of the Enough is Enough podcast. I want to thank each and every single one of you for listening, for rocking with me, for writing this out, for believing in what I've been trying to bring to the table. And that's just open and genuine conversations and some real-ish I love it. And I want to thank you so, so much from the bottom of my heart for supporting me for this long and just sticking with me. So as we launch season two, ah, I mean, we're going to go off with a bang. My very first guest for season two is verified. I am talking about Instagram, blue check mark, everything. This dude brings it all. I am really, really excited. When I asked him to be on the podcast, I didn't realize how much of a heavy hitter he was in all the ways. I mean, every way possible. So I am talking about Mike the Truth Jackson. Him and I had actually met in Houston and it wasn't any sort of formal meeting or anything like that. He was actually a photographer at an event that I was competing in and it was really cool because he caught this image and the main image I'm talking about is the one that I use for my profile across everything. It's been seen all around the world in runner's World Magazine, just everywhere. And I didn't know how big of an impact that one picture was going to have for me. Uh, There's so much in that picture. It's just a statement with the shirt, the smirk, everything. It was, it's just, for me, it was a pivotal moment. That picture had said a lot of what I had going on in my own personal life and what I was bringing to my professional life as a grappler. So for him to have caught that was really, really cool. But then after I started really following him on social media and kind of seeing uh, what this guy does, he does photography, but also he has all these other uh, endeavors. I mean, let's let's just put this out there. He calls himself the snow roach exterminator. If that don't get you fired up, I don't know what will. I love it. I'm about it. And you know, this conversation that we have, he brings the truth to the table. He has no filter. He's raw, but he's talking from this place and this per this uh, position of power. And I'm not meaning like status or anything like that. It's just the, the words that he speaks, the way he carries himself as a black man in today's world. It is refreshing and I love it. And I was so excited because I'm like, yo, me and you, if we go anywhere together, we're, we're probably going to piss some people off. And, you know, that's what I that's what I uh, strive for here on the EIE podcast is getting people to think about uh, just different things in a new way and hopefully cultivating that change. Uh, we barely hit the tip of the iceberg. Again, another first for the EIE podcast is that this is going to have a part two. I left y'all on a cliffhanger with this episode. You're going to want to hear it all the way to the end. And I'm telling y'all, We barely even hit the tip of the iceberg with this one because I didn't even get into the rest of the questions that I wanted to talk to Mike about. But y'all, this is good shit. You're going to want to hear it. Tune in. Let's get it. You have to be your biggest fan. And when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working, but there's something inside of you that says, I just have to follow that because you don't know who you are. This is Cola Shippentower. Some people know me for my professional fight career in MMA or even my journey with jiu-jitsu and pro grappling. Others know me for my advocacy for everything indigenous. 
and some know me for my unique ability of pissing people off while cultivating change at the same time. My goal is not to make everyone mad though. I want to spark your imagination through your heart and mind while encouraging, challenging, and even empowering you to think differently with compassion and love. I don't need a shit ton of followers or fans, only you, the listener, who's willing to challenge societal norms and standards to create a better world for all of us to thrive in. Let's go. So I'm a very firm believer that creator has a plan and a purpose for everyone, everything, whatever the case may be. And I'm going to be honest, I don't think a lot of people thought that a simple but powerful image was going to catch as much attention as it did. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but before I get any more into that, I want to go ahead and introduce our guest, Mike The Truth Jackson. What up? What's happening? What's happening? Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You know, this is really cool for me. So I just want to give our listeners an idea as to who you are and how our paths have crossed. So this image, I have this image now, it's all over my social media and it's been published in magazines. It's kind of been pushed all over. And even as far as the National Criminal Justice Training Center is utilizing this image. And when you took this picture, I don't think you probably understood how far it was gonna go. I definitely didn't. And I was actually really surprised because you're, you're really good at your job. I didn't even know it was taken at that point. Um, so that's how you and I are paths have crossed. And, yeah. you know, did did you think it was going to, you know, with your Not job that you do? Well, here, here's the thing. What I, I, I enjoy these types of moments. This is not the first time something like this has happened. I'm going to share with you in a second. Um, but for me, my, I'm looking at myself, I'm providing art, right? I'm an artist with, with what I do. And when I am out there shooting, I'm looking to like everybody, this whole thing is like my canvas, like this world is my canvas, you know, and these moments that happen that I capture, like these are, everybody's going to, it's going to be relative to the person, but they can have huge moments in, and have huge meanings in people's lives. And, and for this, for you, let me give you a quick story. Um, shooting another jujitsu match and it was this kid and he was walking out and, uh, you know, it has a whole, you know, we got the, the smoke machine and the lights behind you and everything. So the kid comes out and right before he steps on the mat, he, you know, he, he kneels down, he says like a little prayer and then, you know, and he gets on the mat for me. I, it was just a cool image. I was like, yo, this would be cool. Like a little shower here with the, getting the lights, the colors are popping. Um, I ended up posting that photo and I want to say like his mother or grandmother or someone had reached out and he was like, oh my God, this is one of the best photos like I've ever seen. And it basically, she was telling me how the kid's grandfather just passed away and it like had this crazy meaning for me. It was just a cool, like, it was a beautiful moment, right? With the, again, from the, from an artist standpoint. Um, but for that family, it meant so much more, you know? And even for fighters who I've been, I've been shooting, man, for probably 10 years or so. And um, just, just fighters who come out to me or come up to me and tell me about, like, some of their favorite photos. And, you know, it can be just, you know, I love candid shots, you know, especially with emotion. And I'll take some shot in the back or something like that. And people come up and say, oh, my God, like, this is one of my favorite photos. And they'll tell me the story behind it, you know. Um, so that's really why I, I do what I do. And I, I love what I do so much is because 
I get these stories and now I can, you know, I can add yours uh, to the list of just great moments in, in, in time. Absolutely. And that's powerful. And just the way you put it is, is really beautiful. You're seeing the entire world as your canvas and you're capturing these moments for people and you're hearing these stories. And I've never really got to explain the, the image itself to anyone. Cause I just started posting on social media. Everybody's like, Oh, Cole is fighting again, or she's going to another event. This is really cool. But you know, it was a, it was a moment for me that was captured in one picture because we're coming off of the pandemic events were starting to open up here and there. And I'm coming off of this time of isolation when I was in the middle of a sexual harassment case by law enforcement. And this was kind of like my middle finger to that dude of like, just because you're doing some shady shit over here on the reservation, doesn't mean that indigenous women aren't going to continue fighting, aren't going to continue thriving in this world. And so it was really important for me to also, the shirt that I wore was created by my sister friend, Tabitha Frank. That's whose picture that is. It's a beaded medallion that her boyfriend had made. So that was powerful me in that. And then people that really know me when they saw the picture, they're like, you weren't really smiling. You were doing your, your really like your smirk, your cola smirk. And I'm like, yeah, it was like a fuck everything. Fuck this bitch. She's about to catch like whatever it is I'm going to be throwing at her. So just catching all that. in that one moment was really, really cool. Let me ask you a question really quick. Cause um, I know that uh, doing a little bit of research and finding out who you are and the things that you speak to and the things that you advocate for. Um, are you familiar with the missing and murdered indigenous women movement? Vaguely. Uh, I mean, I hear about it. I, I hear um, uh, everybody from different backgrounds. You know, I, I feel we all have uh, trauma that goes on in our cultures. Um, but that is one that, that I vaguely heard of, but not really familiar with it. Yeah, because I started seeing some of the research I was doing is that you really advocate for, you know, black black people, the black people movement, things like that. So what are your experiences with that so far? with what the the actual movement itself or just my experiences personally both what does it look like in the past and what are your goals and what are you pushing <sighs> towards now man so i come from more of a privileged background it's funny because like i i i'm hearing stories you know now that i'm i'm so like in the public i, I hear stories from people who who've known me for quite a while and they're they're interacting with like you know wealthy individuals right and my name comes up and they're just like yo why like, how is he like that? Like, he comes from this kind of background. Um, so for me, I come from a privileged background, um, but I, like, I'm black. Like, I'm in a minority. I understand what goes on. You know, I personally haven't had, like, some, well, outside of recently with, with uh, like, my hat on, on the plane and some other things. Like, I haven't really had anything mad racist happen to me, you know, or, or um, uh, have, like, these crazy like moments in my life that that make me maybe not like white people or not like the police or anything like that. Um, I've never really had those moments, um, but I I have empathy for people, you know, and I understand what real what's really going on. You know, my my stepfather who I was you know raised with, and my mother he was a doctor, so that's where the privilege comes from. Uh, but my my father uh, he's a police officer. Well, he was a police officer here, you know, um, and and he was one. Find out this is like years later. Actually, recently, uh, he's one of the the probably the greatest individuals on the police force that this city has ever seen. Right, um, so I get a little bit of privilege on both sides, but I see so much. You know, I see so much that so much trauma that goes on in in, in this country. You know, and I understand where all of it comes from. I understand 
you know, why people act this way. You know, for me, uh, being a sociologist, you know, that's what I went to school for, you know, learning and, and, and studying these things and then just experiences as well. It, it's helped me really understand, you know, what's going on here. Um, but just, but as far as like, for me though, like, this is like a war, right? And, and it affects, like, cause this affects, it affects really everybody of all the, the crazy, you know, whether it's racism, whether it's classism, whatever, you know, sexism, everything that's going on, like it literally affects everybody involved. Right. So for me, I'm like, yo, this is affecting me. Like when something like when you have some, some racist shit happen, right. Like that person reaffirms whatever's going through their head. So that shit is, it spreads like a disease. And to say like it doesn't affect me would be silly. So I have to be in this position. Like you basically were in a war anti-racist versus racist is really what this comes down to. And I, how can you sit on the fence in a war when people really don't care about your livelihood? They don't care if you live or die or anything. Like they don't care about you. You know what I'm saying? And we as a society, like we shouldn't be like that, right? Because not to say you gotta love everybody. I'm not, I don't I don't believe in that either. But you should at least for the for the have common decency, yo, yo, this person should have a decent like way of life. Like he shouldn't, you know, nothing my actions shouldn't affect him in a way where it's like, yo, this dude's life is on the line, right? And that's basically what racism is. Like you have a, a, a group or a side of people. Uh, well, oh, again, when I say racism, it kind of everything is tied together in that, right? Because race is tied to class. All the other is a social construct, but race is tied to class, you know? And so, and, and those are the main two that kind of identify people, right? So you have these people who don't care about like, whether we live or die based on some created narrative that that's a lie. You know, how can I just sit back and, and, and just allow these people to continue this way? Because it affects it literally affects everybody, whether they know it or not. So I feel that I'm in a position where I can use my platform um, for for change in our in our favor. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to kind of see both sides, that's where I feel like we might have a common place here is that my husband is law enforcement but he's also a tribal member. He looks very, very native. He's got long black hair. And, you know, when all the BLM marches were happening and we were, you know, I'm an activist on the other side. So it's a very interesting dynamic. Even here at home, the conversations can get kind of heated because he has to remember he has a duty and he's a service to his people. Um, so he's protecting our treaty rights, something that the government has been breaking since 1855 since they said right. here let's let's <laughs> right. let's set up this agreement but ever right. since then they've never held up to their side of this whole exactly. bargain here it's crazy right yeah. isn't that shit crazy to you it's just like nuts that, that, that 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 these people right the people who are doing this right is is so wild and i and i have theories behind this but just for this this point is wild that these people can like play with people's lives like this, right? Like we're like, it's just a, a, a puzzle piece. You can sit here and say, all right, we're going to give you this, right? Which basically means like survival. And then you kind of like crossing your fingers behind your back. You're like, oh, they don't fucking know what's coming at them. And then when you fight against it, y'all just like, nah, sit your ass down. Like I, that shit is crazy to me. <laughs> that's well, that's why I feel like the black community and the indigenous community can really find this place of understanding and compassion and empathy with, with one another. I mean, I have 
a lot of friends within the black community. I also have a son who's Afro-Indigenous. So I have to be respectful of both sides of that. But I feel like there's a strong connection where there is a group of people who were taken away from their homelands and brought to a completely strange place and enslaved by a group of people who were also going into the homelands of a people and not removing them from that home, but saying, oh, we're going to live in your home, but you have to sit here and watch us thrive while right. we give you our, our, our table scraps or whatever we think you can have. At so that's best. why, mm -hmm. absolutely. So, I mean, I think that's where we have this commonplace where we, I like you feel I lived a very blessed life, my childhood. I wasn't exposed to a lot of the, you know, some of the truthful stereotypes that native American right. people face, which alcoholism is a huge one. Um, poverty, things like that. Uh, my parents, definitely didn't come from very, you know, they didn't have a lot of money, but they did what they could with what they had and they provided for their children the best that they could. And now that I'm a grown woman and I have my own home, I am very financially sound. I'm sober. Um, I've, you know, been able to break the, those stereotypes and show other people, no, that's not who we are. That's not what we are. And then marrying someone who's in law enforcement it, it's very different for people to see that. And I think it almost scares white people because they're like, oh no, here comes this strong indigenous. Oh, wait a minute. She also has law enforcement on her side. Oh, what is happening here? So being able to provide these different perspectives where we know there are good cops and there's definitely like some really fucked up ones that need help. Um, it, it brings a different conversation to the table. Like we just said earlier is that we can probably figure out where the issues are and how we should navigate them and utilize our platforms or our voices to create and cultivate the change that's needed. Um, so I think that's really cool. And I'd really love to hear the story. You, you said something about with your hat for the oh. listeners that don't see it, it says fuck racism. Um, well, see, so no, no, it doesn't. No, it okay, doesn't. Well, it's it's missing a you. It says FCK racism. Yeah. That's what it says. <laughs> uh, <laughs> No, uh, I was trying to think where I wanted to go either with the story or I was listening to you tell you that, but it, it, I'll go with the story. So as I, I you know, I, I travel a lot. Um, this was right once, you know, things were starting to open back up. I was working at an event out in Orlando, Florida of all places. I don't even like Florida, but I was there for work. Um, I am always because of my status in the group, I, you know, I always board like first. Right. So I get on the plane and I'm sitting in the, in the fifth row. Now to get the fifth row, you know, like you have to get on pretty early. Right. So this was Southwest and I was born. I was in the eight boarding group. So finally now the, about the, the plane is almost full. So, you know, we're in board group C, right. So I have one of the, the stewardess, she comes up and she's like, and she sounds like Melania Trump. And I kind of like make fun of her with that shit as well. Uh, but she basically tells me, she's like, yes, sir. Uh, I need you to take the hat off because basically someone's a fit. Like, to be honest with you, I think it was her that was offended. If I'm going to be honest with it, with everything playing out, but we'll go with her narrative that it was a passenger. So uh, she says, hey, I need you to take your hat off. It's offended. I was like, yo, who's offended by the hat? She says, it has the word. I said, the only word on the hat is racism. She's like, no, it has the other word. I was like, those letters. So she said, you're not going to take it off? I was like, nah. So she gets off the plane, goes and gets like, I, I guess, a manager, right? This guy comes back. And that's kind of when my video that I end up posting on my social media starts. 
because uh, I was really like, it was the first time this has ever happened like that, uh, where someone was offended by, you know, some clothing I had. So the, the guy comes over, he kneels down. He's like, sir, did the lady ask you to take the hat off? I'm like, yeah. So has it, it's offending somebody. I was like, yo, dude, like whoever is offended by this, like that's their problem. Because obviously the hat says FCK racism. You can, you can, you know, determine what the hat says. Sir, somebody's offended you to take the hat off. I was like, not taking the hat off. He leaves and goes and gets the black guy. So black guy comes on. He's like, hey, man, like. I was like, man, they really put they put you in this position to come and ask me to take the house, dog, you know. And then, so now, so here's my thing: like all racism is, it's a game about winning. Like that's all it is, right? So now I understand. Like once the black guy comes on, I was like, ah, okay, I see what we're doing here. And I'm like, I said, I like my thing. I thrive off of like I I love antagonizing racists. Like it's one of my favorite hobbies. And, and if I can find a way to monetize this, that'll be my form of reparations, right? So now that I understand this game that's going on, I'm like, cool, let's play it. Let's see who's better at it. So I'm talking to the dude. And so he's basically telling me, like, they're going to have to take me off the plane if I don't take the hat off. So I'm like, look, all right, fine. If I take the hat off and put it on my knee, that's cool. He was like, yeah. So like, done. Took the hat off, put it on me. As I take it off, I'm like, all right, as soon as the plane goes in the air, I'm putting it back on. So all that fast forward, we're in the air thing, put the hat back on. So where I'm sitting, I can see direct, because again, I'm in row five. I can see directly into where the students are sitting. So I, I put the hat on, I'm just sitting there like this, and I'm just looking, and I'm waiting because they got to come by with the drinks. So right before they come with the drinks, it was like, I guess she was like the supervisor on the flight. She comes over, kneels down, she's like, sir, didn't lay out like, look, all right, here, this is what we're going to do. I say, you say somebody's offended by the hat, right? They're way in the back, right? They're broke way in the back. They can't see the hat. I'm way in, I'm on five, right? And so I say, also, if any, like, we're all sitting on a plane facing forward. I said, if unless you're sitting beside me, you can't even see what's, if you're in front of me, you can't see what's at. In the back, you can't see what's on my hat. So what are we doing here? It doesn't matter if the hat's on my head, on my knee, on your head. The hat's still on the plane. So what are we doing here? So she's like, all right, you make a good point. It's like, all right, cool. She you know, goes on about her business. I'm thinking I say, I get off the right where we land, you know, kind of taxiing for a little bit. We pull in. So here the ding. And everybody's kind of like waiting because they're trying to unload. I just stand up. I was like, yo, whoever the racist who was offended by the hat, I said, I see what you're trying to do. And I say, you lost. And I said, see, the hat is still on my head. And there's some little white lady. She's like, it wasn't me. I didn't tell. I was like, you cool. So as we're kind of getting our luggage, you know, from the overheads or whatever, I see another, a stewardess that was on the ground. She comes in, pops her head and looks. They point at me and then she, she disappears. So right as I get off the plane onto the to the to the uh, uh, sky cap taxi thing, she's right there. She's like, "Sir, I need to talk to you." <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> "So I had this on video too." So we get off the off the thing to the end of the airport now. So she's looks. So she, you know, she's below me. So she kind of looks up and she's just like, "Sir, didn't the lady ask you to take the hat off?" And I was like, "Yeah." And she's like, "Well, why is it on your head?" I was like, look, I told y'all, it don't work that way. <laughs> I was like, you're not going to lie. This racism isn't, this isn't what we're doing today. 
she threw a fit, right? I kind of like caught her snow roach and like walked off. Uh, and then I thought about it. I was like, oh, man, I got to check back. So it's going to take a little minute. So she never left. So I turned back. I doubled back. And I just had to know. I was inquisitive. I was like, hey, what's up with the racism? And she kind of looks at me. <laughs> I was like, well, why? What, what's the issue with the hat? She's like, the hat's offensive. I was like, why is the hat offensive? She said, it has an offensive word on it. So I take that. I said, show me on the hat. What, what word is offensive? And she says that word. I said, those are letters. And she says, this was the most, this was the, the most like white fragility thing I've ever heard in my life. When I asked her about the FCK, Shorty said, I kid you not, that she could sound it out. And I just looked, I was like, wait, how can you sound out FCK? And that equals fuck like. What are you, you just trying to win? Like, that's all it was. Like, your, your objective here was to get the black guy to take off the hat that you don't like. That's all it was about. You know what I'm saying? So I'll, I'll play the game, and, and you lost. And, and that's what it was about. And, and like I said, that's all this is. That's all racism. Racism is a war. Like, it's, a, it's two sides, you know? And it's just one side versus the other. And again, from our side, our side is like, yo, like, you shouldn't be racist, right? Like, that's... The, that's our stance. Their other side is basically, nah, like we should be able to do what we want to do. And no, <laughs> you can't, you know? So that's the objective here. So from this entire story, what I catch is that it would be hella fun if we went anywhere together. Cause I have a tendency oh, of wow. wearing, wearing a uh, very, contradicting clothing as well you can see what i'm wearing it says merciless merciless indian savages oh i love it oh see i got shit right there i got one on the way that has custer with a red x over him and then there's another one i got on the way i kind of like that one i kind of yeah see i mean so if we traveled anywhere together or if we went places we would just be clowning everybody oh man it's exactly what it's exactly what you're saying is that racism basically has two sides and there is you cannot sit on the fence with this topic. It's either it's either you're going to show everyone respect or you're just not going to. And if you're not going to, at the end of all this, in my mind, I'm like, y'all are going to lose. Like, because ultimately- well, see, that's the thing. The, the people, like, they, the opposition, they don't see it as such. And I get it. Again, that's the point. Like, so for me, like, there's this, like, little time, uh, like a, oh, here we go. There's a spectrum of racism, right? And, like, you may have something over here is just, Oh, black people like watermelon, you know, but then way over here is like the KKK. And it just, you depending on where on the spectrum you fall and you hit that point is where you're going to get off. Right. I'm all, I'm just running this spectrum into people and wherever you get off, you get off. Hopefully you can get off at the, the, the watermelon joke. You know, hopefully we're not down here because at the at the KKK side, because at the KKK, that, that we're, we're talking about different tactics that have to be used because at this side, it's not a joke over here. Over here, this is real life. You wishing death on us, right? So the, the strategy has to be different, you know? Well, that's how it started. That's how it's taught is you're mm-hmm. taught these little where you think they're funny jokes. It's right. it's interesting because I did have this conversation with um, someone they had felt like they should be able to use the word savage. They're like, yo, when I go in on a workout or if I go into a fight, I'm hella savage. I'm like, do you know 
why that word is even seen the way that it is and why it's so normalized nowadays and why people think it's okay to use it. I'm like, no, definitely don't use it around me because I do find it offensive that a white person is going to try to use a word that was describing my people. And so then it went into this whole like lesson on it's still in a government document to this day. People are still using like a special day to celebrate this document. And so it, it does start out like that, you know, living in Eastern Oregon, Central Oregon is huge with racism. And we did have, oh, I can uh, imagine. <laughs> yeah, we did have a clan here that definitely did not like Native Americans or Asians, because that's what was basically built this town that we're in right now near the Imatilla Reservation is Pendleton, Oregon. Uh, Asians, Native Americans were the ones that were building the town for the rich white man, basically. So, I mean, you're right. It is a spectrum. You're going to figure out your area on this. Like, am I okay with using the word savagery even the word beast? Because that was describing people that are brought over on ships. Like these are not people, they're livestock. Um, so are you going to be here and hop off and say, okay, that's definitely too far. Or are you going to take it as far as, you know what? My my life is worth more than yours. So if you die, okay. That's just another one off the list, basically. You know, and, and so that's how I look at people, you know, unfortunately, that's where we are at, at this point. And as some people can't see the they're like they try to compare it to like other things It's like, no, you can't compare racism to like whether you iPhone or Apple or, or Android. Like it's not the same thing. And they and the, the opposition loves to do that. What they like to do is trivialize. They like to make things smaller than what they are like. No, 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 no. You're not going to do that to us. You know, we can't. We, and, and that's the issue is that th this has happened so, so much over the course of time that things have been trivialized and made to sort of be like a joke or whatever. That is like, no, this has affected people's perceptions on life. You know, I, I developed two theories sort of, you know, as I've been in my head since the, the, the pandemic. And the two theories are that no one sees themselves as the bad guy and no one can see themselves as wrong. So that's why you have. That's why you can have Hitler, right? Who in his in his mind, he didn't see himself as a bad guy. He thought he was doing on his perspective, he was doing what was right. You know what I'm saying? So when you have these two, when you have these the, the way that you think, when someone comes to you and says, Hey man, can you not use savage? That's why they fight it. Because in their mind, what do you mean? You're you're telling them that they're wrong. And if you don't have the ability to say, really what it comes down to is just saying, my bad. Like, it's really like, look, look he said, ah, savage. And you tell him, like, oh, oh, shit, my bad. And like, that's the end of it. Like, that's all he had to give up is just saying, ah, oh, my bad. But no one wants to say my bad because they don't see themselves as wrong. You know, and so when you have these people who are this stubborn and this stuck in their way, look, when you, when you are born, like, Here's the plan, Phil, right? If this is level, right? This is where white people have the head start. All other minorities, we're at a disadvantage. We're just trying to get here. Like, that's all. And as we do, like, it balances itself out. But when you have been, here, put a pen. Just like they say trauma is passed down through DNA, I feel privileged passed down through DNA. So you have these people who are born into this privilege and it's just, that's all they know as a baby. You just know it. You just know what you're taught. So when you're, you know, you're being raised and you're white and you just, you basically give it now. I don't know how white people parent. So I don't know if they didn't really at their house saying, Hey, you're better than everybody. I don't know. I think that some of them are right. But when you, whether are told that um, uh, um, verbally or whether it's just uh, understood 
when you're at this level and then you have the and you're everybody else is here and you see this gap closing you don't see it as the playing field being leveled you see it as they're taking from me well it's not choice to begin with you stole it and we're just trying to get what's ours back we're just trying that's literally it we're not trying to unbalance we're not trying to go the opposite way we're literally just trying to get it here and this for forever this is literally for all non-white people it doesn't matter man woman uh whatever you, this is white people white males typically and everybody else right and we're just trying to get it here but again when you've been told this is normal and and, and everything below is not you're going to fight that. And again, I understand, like, that's the thing. Like, I don't know. I'm not upset at racism. Like that, to where I am now in life, it doesn't bother me because it's understood. Like, when you're looking at it, again, I look at it as, as the, the a war versus racism versus anti-racism. Like, these people are the enemy. They're supposed to hate me. <laughs> so when people say things like, I don't understand why, this, like, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. It's like, no. Nah. Like, you should understand, these people don't like you. They don't see us as equal. Like, that's why they're in their mind, there is no hypocrisy. Like, because people like to say that, oh, they're being hypocrites. Yes, from a, from a regular person's standpoint, but from the opposition standpoint, no, it's not, because they don't see us as equal. They see us as savages, as beasts, as three-fifths of a person. They're not any of those uh, uh, adjectives that this that I've just described, they're none of that. You know what I'm saying? So if you don't see yourself as equal there is, in your mind, there is no hypocrisy. That's why, man, and this is the craziest, like it hasn't happened to me in a long time. I was coming out of a restaurant the other day. Uh, I just shot a wedding and I saw this lady parking the handicap spot right by the door. And you get to, she had a walker. I, look, I'm just being, I'm a nice, I'm a genuinely nice guy. So I'm holding the door open for her as she's kind of scoots in where her dude is there. And I see him get out. He's old too. So I wasn't just like going to close the door and let his old ass come. So I'm like, all right, I'll wait. So I went and gave him a smile. And he was like, oh my, you do such a good job at this. Like you should make a career out of it. And I just looked at him and I was like, why the fuck would I make a career out of opening the door for people, particularly your old ass? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's just shit like that where in the moment, I'm like, oh, wow, because I had it happen to me. But I get it. You got this old white dude who doesn't know any better. Like, that's what he's been taught, and he hasn't seen any different. So it doesn't affect me because I know what we're here for. Yeah. And you know that's really tough when you're when you're coming up on these um, these senior citizens that this has been like ingrained in them since day one, especially when you start reaching the age group of like fifty plus. Mm -hmm. They're coming off of uh, the end of World War II. They're also coming yeah. off of, like the sixties and seventies when yeah. they really had to choose a side. Right. And you know, I don't discriminate though. Yeah, I don't. No. I don't care. To be honest, like, they can all get it. They can all, get it. especially <laughs> them. Especially them. anyone can catch these hands if we needed to. Oh. But you know, no. you're right though, is that if you do not choose uh, where you're gonna hop off that train, it could quickly escalate. Like homegirl on the plane. Yeah. If yeah. she was using what was within her means at the time, which was coworkers or her little 
badge through her company? What if it were out on the street and she had her family there? If she had law enforcement there, if right. she had anyone, it could have very quickly escalated to, I don't like him wearing that hat, make him stop. And yeah. who's to say some, you know, some honky white police officer doesn't come up and kneel on your neck about it. Like, I where does it end? I call yeah. racist white people snow roaches. I've trademarked Yeah, I saw that. I was going to say, let's... I'm like, as soon as that brand drops, like, let me know because <laughs> it's gonna be fire. It. It's gonna be I want so the crop fire. tops. I want the hats, everything. It's I want it all. It's gonna That's be super fire. dope. But you know, I did want to ask you one question. What is your thoughts on critical race theory? It's history. <laughs> it's actually like, that's the thing. Like it, it, all it is, is teaching history. Like that's, that's all it is, is teaching what actually happened. And again, you have someone. So this the new thing is right. You just create this. You you make something up, and you say it enough until people believe it. That's the new way, right? That's the new move. And so, I and that's why I do what I do is 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 kind of, is a tactic of theirs. So this whole critical race theory, right? Because people don't want to know their grandparents is being assholes. Don't you can't teach it. It's like wait. But that's hit like we're teaching history. We're teaching actual history. That's a class in every classroom. Cause like out here we have Texas history, right? So when I when I meet up, he was like, yo, yeah, I got Texas history. And they'd be like, when I was a kid, it was like Texas history, mom, right? This history is taught everywhere. But you have it where people, because their their ancestors, so to speak, uh, their family members are seen in a negative light. Going back to my theory, no one wants to see themselves as the bad guy. Because of this, they want to ban it. It's like, no, or you want to change, like they tried to, well, yeah, they did. They changed slave in the, in the Texas books back in there. I don't, I don't know if they changed it back now, but they was like, yo, these aren't slaves. They're, they're just workers. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> like, no, you can't do that. And that's the whole thing behind this is like, this is something that, we're, and again, we're in a different time. We're in a in a perfect time where we're going for we're we're literally in a transitional phase from analog to digital, right? So, in an analog world, you can get away with this because things aren't as connected. The resources is, are, are are more expensive to have these things, so you get away with this bullshit. In a digital age. Things are things things are transitioning differently. Things are more accessible. The costs of things come down now. So you're like, oh shit, wait, what's going on now? And I have another theory I'm gonna tell you about based off of this as well. But when you're handed this, right, the access, like that's where the knowledge is, and you have to get people, you gotta get that. And if you don't have it, you, you, you're gonna fall down. You're gonna fall and slip. It's sad. <laughs> No, you're you're right. I think that the awareness on all of these issues, on BIPOC issues for everyone now, it's becoming much more mainstream. I mean, perfect example, indigenous people have known about residential schools forever. We've known about that. It's now becoming mainstream because we have this digital age where everything can be tap of the finger. Everybody has it. Uh, any of the issues that were happening within the black community, it was really hard to prove any of that because right. there wasn't always there somebody with a camera. There wasn't always witnesses right. there to be able to show proof. But now that we right. have that, we have cameras, we have videos, we have things that we can post. If you're not going to accept this as your evidence, then I will go to social media and I will post it. And then you'll have the entire 100%. community on your back. 
So now yeah. it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream for people to hear these issues from the BIPOC community and understand like, this isn't new. This is shit that's been going on for centuries, generations. This is what's been going on. So this isn't old, like, this isn't new news. This is stuff that we've been trying to tell y'all for a really, really long time, which is why I can get behind this whole critical race theory thing. It's like, okay, we're finally teaching the history that I'm, I was homeschooled. So I'm like, we're learning the history that uh, I learned now okay, okay. in these schools. Now my kids right. are going to public school and I'm like, oh, so now they're starting to touch on it. But I'm also like, who's teaching it? Hold on. Oh, that's I, definitely. I'm, yeah, I'm like, I'm kind of uncomfortable with the white lady teaching Native American culture. So I know, like, I thought about that. <laughs> I'm sorry to the white school too. I'm like, Chat. <laughs> so. You know, I think this is a topic we could definitely go off on for hours. I absolutely love that. I love these type of conversations where people are afraid to say exactly what's on their. But that's the thing, like on their hearts it, when it comes to you, really sh- you shouldn't topics. You, that's the thing, though. Like you shouldn't like going back to what I said earlier. All it is is like, oh, my bad. Like, yeah. that's it. Like, exactly. that, like people like that's that's literally all of this shit like everybody's hurt like literally it's like if you're not because like i said earlier race is tied to class based on the social construct and we all know what what classes do right and so if you're not in the top you may as well just be in the bottom like it doesn't matter what race so in the top is just white people like the old white dudes right and if you don't fit in that category in that class It's all the same because they control everything. So all you have at the lower class or or the lower levels, you have the same class of people who are fighting amongst themselves over this created narrative, this social construct of race, which was a lie. It's not real. Right. So you have the And again, based on systemic racism, even in the class, there's a hierarchy. So you have the white people who are at the top. And they're 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 trying to reaffirm this narrative that isn't real. And it's like, yo, wait, you do understand if you stop the racism, then we can fight them up top, and then the shit will everybody can win. But because in your head you're better than, and that you you really think like these people who who are like I don't know, Podunk, Alabama. How how do you relate to Donald Trump? What? There is nothing where he's that like there is not the only thing y'all look because y'all are both white. And again, he doesn't care. He's only the only he he only cares about you as much as he can he can suck off you because he's a fucking leech, right? And all he wants is your vote to get him there. Like outside that, he does nothing for you. What are you talking about? But these people, they've been brainwashed through propaganda to believe that. What they tell white people growing up? You can, the Americans, you can be whatever you want to be. Little Jimmy, little little Jimmy, you can be president. You want? No, little Jimmy can't fucking be president. Jimmy never has a shot to be president. Now he has a little bit better chance because he's white, right? But again, he still has to have the access to the privilege to even get to that class. Little Johnny's never getting there. You've been lied to, Johnny. Stop. And that's the thing. If little Johnny understands he's been lied to his entire life, and that he's actually. The class is is you're you're qual- equal to the people in your class and not your race, then fucking little everybody would be literally the entire world would be a better place. But people are too stupid to get it because Johnny thinks he can be fucking Trump and he's no more than I don't know working at the the dog park. 
pretty much. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think like, cause we have this huge group. We have a, a BLM march and then directly across the street, uh, there was a, a counter protest and it was everybody with the, the thin blue line flag and Trump flags and Confederate flags and all this stuff. And I'm like, you all look so dumb. Cause I don't think you really understand. Like you're basically saying it's not okay to be black. It's not okay to be indigenous. Like, is that what you're fighting against right now? You like, got a bunch of people. <laughs> you got a bunch of people who took the like the whole the blue line. That is so crazy to me. I I, I was on touch that because your husband's a, 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 a your husband's a police officer. So I was just like, that's a job. Like that's not real. Like it's not a real thing. It's just a like. When I say real, I'm talking in terms of like people. Like it's not a person. Is it doesn't have a race or ethnicity or, or race or gender tied to it. It's a it's literally a job you chose to do. You chose that. Now, is it crazy dangerous? Uh, uh, yes. You chose to do it, though. No, like no one chose to be a man or woman or black or white or whatever. No one chose these things, right? Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, is like I've had this conversation with people before because people will be like, well, Tommy chose to be a police officer. I'm like, ah, but did he really, considering he was born a Native American man who feels strongly in protecting the rights that we do have today, which is right. to be able to hunt and gather in our traditional homelands, he's protecting that for you. So we have our own people, tribal members, Native Americans looking at him because he wears a badge and saying, fuck you, you chose that job. And That's he's wild. like, but he's quiet. He, he just, I ain't gonna say nothing, but here I am like, oh, hold on. But they're like, that doesn't make sense, Cola, because you're all about like, you know, the BLM movement, everything going on, indigenous women, it's, all that. I'm like, you can't tell me that I can't sit here and sympathize with both sides of this because my husband is doing what he right. thinks the creator wants him to do in this lifetime, which is protect his people. He's but here even, to protect you. 100%. But even in that, like that whole theory that they that is made that's a lie is they literally made that up it's like oh how can you be like black lives matter but then like be with the cops too it was like wait what are you talking about like because black lives matter isn't anti-cop like that's what they, these people with they with it, but that's the play that's the other that's the thing like that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not even mad at it that is the play these people are manipulative, they're deceptive, and they will do anything, just like we're doing anything to win. But again, our win is equality. Their win is to keep people subjective, right? So we're sitting here trying to fight them. They just want to spin a narrative. It's like, that's, that's where the whole blue lies thing came from, is because they had to create something to counter this. Because, they again, it's about the win. And they have to win. Because so if they didn't have the that thin blue line, how would they look? Would they look like they were do, doing something right? Or would they just look like a bunch of, you know, a bunch of clan man members? It, the it, but that's what, that's the, the point they are. But, yeah. that, but that's the other thing is, right? All racism is, racism evolved. Like people like the whole thing is like, it's like, oh, well, you're not slaves anymore. It's like, yeah, but there's a many thing. Like that was hundreds of years ago. Things have to evolve. Like we're going from, a, a fiat currency with like the dollars and people are trading like people using bitcoin people are using digital currencies now right again we're going from an analog time to a digital mm -hmm. time things change things evolve so when people are like oh racism does exist he's like wait like that's not how it works so when you don't have anything else when you can't wear your hood and i, I call them out to like yo tuck your hood in man like your, your robe is showing, all that white is showing, tuck it in. When you can't wear your, 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 your clan hoods anymore, what's the next thing? That's why you have these people who go into the law enforcement because they don't have, they have to have this control. Like, and what other position 
is like a police officer. What other position? Well, we all know how the whole the whole policing thing started is former slave catchers and how that thing transitioned over into to law enforcement. But we know what law enforcement is. It's to it control, and we obviously we need it for 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 different reasons. But y'all have just hijacked that for your own personal gain, and your personal gain is racism. It's it's this this white I call it white mediocrity. I don't want to call them white supremacists because they're not superior. It's mediocrity. They just had all they did. They just cheated at the game. Like they, that's all they have done. Like they're not smarter. They're not better. They just cheated at the game. That's literally all they did to get in this position. And they did a good job at cheating. I give them that. But this is where we are. We're 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 trying to 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 even the field, even the playing field on this game. Yeah. Like left and right, this entire conversation has been like mic drop after mic drop. So, you know, I want to be respectful of your time, but I also I this is gonna be super dope once it drops. If you're up for it, I would love to do a part two because we didn't even get into Come everything on. I wanted to talk to you Come about. On. Yeah, you need to talk. Yo, hit me up. Yo. I, I love these conversations. You Let's know. do this. Um, so we are definitely gonna have a part two to this. We're gonna yeah. have you back and we're gonna get into the other things that click because this is just like literally surface level. Once people hear this, yeah. they're like surface yeah. level. Yeah. Like, well, the people don't have that. That's the thing, though. That's why I get to I get to engage with these people on social media like this and have fun because they don't have the aptitude for it, and that's cool. Like that's why I keep my my insults to like snow. That's why snow is so offensive, and they get mad. I'm like, why are you getting mad? I love that, but yeah. these people don't have the aptitude for the conversation or the actual debate part. Yep, absolutely. So you know what, Mike? This has been. Uh, I can't wait for the next one. I know our listeners are going to be waiting for it and wanting to know the rest of what I've got on you. Like, I want yeah. them to know about you. They need to know about you. Like, this is just, you know, just the tip of the iceberg. We're going to get more into it. So thank you so much. And just to, you know, end this one off, do you have any parting words for us? Or do you want to leave it like a to be continued? No, I mean, always, man, I just want people to be better. Like, be better people. Like, show, like, that's all this is. It's just empathy for your fellow human. Like, that's literally it. You don't have to agree with them. Just understand that people are different. They go through their own thing. They have, everybody have their own experiences and, and show empathy and love, man. Don't be assholes. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole. Waiting for that apparel to drop once you got it. Let me know. <laughs> it's going to be under the Shits and Giggles Everywhere. brand. That's my, my, my new brand coming out. It's called Shits and Giggles. Because that's why I do all this, all of this for Shits and Giggles. Uh, but yeah, that's what the Snow Rush line is going to be. So let's go. The Enough is Enough podcast was created, hosted, and produced by me, Cola Shippentower. You have to be your biggest fan. And when things are really tough and they're really rough and nothing's working, but there's something inside of you that says, I just have to follow that because you don't know who you're going to be.